welcome to the Retro Blood. Can you believe this? It's Christmas Eve, and we got orders to bring in Santa Claus. Cindy, if uh, you don't go back to bed, Santa won't come. He's not the only one. What you might get up to? All those kitties sitting on your knee all day? I'd love to have you sitting on my knee. Christmas carolers. I hate Christmas carolers. Screeching voice, no blue sniffers. I warned you, Brad! Mommy, you shouldn't have said that. It's naive to say bad things about old people. Santa Claus will punish you. Carpet day! No! Don't! It's gonna hurt our kids. We're not even sure it's him. Not sure my ass. Look at the fur on that suit. Happy New Year, everybody. From the Retro Blood. Thanks for joining us here on this wonderful New Year's as the Retro Blood finishes up talking all about 1980s holiday horror movies. Up next, if you like strange plots that that have time traveling, that people turn into demons that, that they ripped off from demons and, and evil dead. If you all like wandering through an island. If you all like teens trying to have sex in different places they get turned into demons this is the movie for you brother because it's going to be a bloody new year jay allison james klein what's happening allison how's your new year's eve going are you ready for that ball dropping drinking some beer under the freaking you know what what do people do on New Year's again? They just watch the ball drop and drink, right? Is that it? Or get fucked up? Yeah, man. Like you know, as you get older in life, ball dropping is kind of a part a part and partial of life, I think. So yeah, I'm getting ready for that. But mostly, um, uh, I'm getting ready to you know drink my champagne and you know uh, do uh, whatever. Yeah, New Year's people do that don't go out because I hate going out with these. Me too. People. So see, I, like, so I don't. I, I hate going out on New Year's. See, when I was younger, I liked going out on New Year's. You know, what I mean, partying. But then, you know, like you're saying, when you get older, like you, you this is like amateur night. And brother, like this is the fucking yeah, retro yeah. blood, brother. We're not a fucking amateurs. We drink beer. Yeah, we're professionals and professional. Yeah. We should be professional beer drinkers. Okay. Because, exactly. We're uh yeah, we're like uh we're like the Rick Flares of the show. Yeah. Like we we've, we've been doing this long enough that we know what to do. You yeah. know, like I have like the like the New Year's that I've liked the most to go to something is like when um if I can go somewhere like to a destination and be there and stay there. Yeah. I I, I like it. But I hate going somewhere and going to a New Year's party and then um having to get home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you know, know what I mean. So if I can go right? to like a yeah. right, exactly. If I can go to a hotel, um, then uh, and and just go up to my room after the partying's done, that's great. Um, yeah, I haven't really gone out for a New Year's in years. I did go to something uh, a few years ago. I went out with this girl to New Year to a New Year's party, and uh, we took an Uber there and took an $80 Uber home and uh, that kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, but 
especially considering her house was like within almost within walking distance of this place. Damn, that's like actually, it, it would be within walking distance, but yeah, it was like 80 bucks. It's New Year's, man. You got to pay off the ash for stuff like that. That's true. But yeah, like, man, I'm, I'm just going to be drinking my champagne, uh, you know, listening to some music, watching a horror movie, talking about a horror movie with you. Yeah. Reflecting, kind of reflecting on this reflecting great... on the on the year, yeah. <laughs> and then you know, yeah, reflecting on the year, talking about this great cinema piece in cinema history, bloody oh, new yeah. year. I mean, come yeah, on, this brother. was a masterpiece. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm surprised this thing ain't in the fucking uh, film hall of fame. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I, I can't believe this is not in the uh, Library of Congress. This thing needs to be preserved forever. This is a. Uh... This is really confusing. So hope I hope everybody watches this. You know, sometimes like we don't really care if you guys watch it or not. You can hear our sweet voices. But like yeah. I kind of like I don't wonder if there's like a guru out there that like knows everything about Bloody New Year. Cuz I'm going to be confused. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there is. It'll be just like Mountain Top Motel Massacre. Yeah. Like like as we talk about this, there'll be somebody who's like, "Well, I can't believe you didn't understand this." And I'm yeah. like, I I don't even like. I actually quite like this movie uh, as as much as the shit I'm going to talk about it. I did quite like it, and I'll try to explain why at the end of the show. Um, but I don't understand what happened in it. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure you could watch this movie in almost any order, and it would make the same amount of sense. Yeah, pretty much um, over and like over as again. long as you had the beginning. Yeah, as long as you had the beginning and the end at the beginning and the end, you could take the reels in the middle and put them in any order, and it wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean we'll, we'll get to it in the long term because that'd be a fun discussion yeah. on here but you know just like the holiday season brother we're gonna be talking about the beer of the week or the holiday yeah. beer of the week now give me the same one this time yeah we had the same one now like listen i don't lie to people gimmick i can't drink the beer right now because uh, i'm a little semi under the weather like i thought i was gonna be worse than it was but I, mm. but the one that we picked out has like milk in it and I know if I drink mm-hmm. that right now, it's going to aggravate my fucking throat. But yeah. I did have this beer earlier in the week so I can talk about it. And it's actually pretty good. It's actually one that you recommended there, Allison. Yes. I'm going to drink one right now. Oh, nice. See? Oh, there you go. At least somebody's drinking a bun here, brother. I'm there like we the, go. I'm like the party. I'm like <laughs> uh, um, I'm like our boy. Uh, uh, Sco- uh, what's his name? Uh, Scooge. Okay. Gucci, yeah. I'm like him, you know. I mean, I pretend like I'm the party at the, the fucking place, but then I, I actually suck. <laughs> so uh, this one's pretty good. It's called Black Watch, double mm. chocolate milk stout, made by Highland Brewing yeah. over the, here in Asheville, North Carolina, brother. Yep. And uh, so you know, you know, like guys, it ain't no secret. If if anybody's been listening to this podcast and hears me talk about beer, we all know I love the chocolate beers. Like, you could pretty much mm-hmm. make any beer stout and put cho- some chocolate in there. I'm probably going to like it. All right? So, this one was pretty good. I did like... Actually, I like this one. It, you know, it, my preference is I like this one better than I liked the um, the, the the Cold Mountain. All right? Oh, well, yeah. This is a better beer than Cold Mountain. Yeah. But I know people freak out about that. the Cold Mountain over here. But I like this one better with this little dark one. Over here, and this one wasn't as uh, intense <laughs> as the one I had for our Christmas Eve episode. But the uh, the strongman coffee milk stout that shit was like fucking intense, man. I'm still yes, I'm yeah. still I'm still feeling that one. This one was a lot more smoother, maybe because I had some chocolate in there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot smoother. I think also the well, I was gonna say the other one has milk in it too, but I can yeah. I feel like the lactose makes it smoother. But yeah, the chocolate just makes it smooth. I don't even like mm-hmm. chocolate, but like chocolate stouts, I do like young chocolate stout is really good. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's just it's just it just makes this really nice smooth drinkable stout it makes you want to go to a new year's eve party that happened in 1959 that's how smooth it was exactly all right imagine this party i would have gone to this party it looked pretty uh pretty fun they're in black and white and i mean you got the old school tree and this, at the grand so at the at the, yeah. at the most imaginative name possible for an island the grand island the grand island yes the Grand Island. We can't come up with the creative awesome. names. So we'll just name it the Grand Island. <laughs> yeah, like I was trying to figure out where this movie takes place. I mean, apparently it's. I mean, it was filmed off the coast of Wales. Yeah, or it was filmed on and on and on the coast of Wales. So I'm guessing that it takes place in the UK. Which, but they seem to be like it seems very warm there for Christmas time. Well, it's well. Remember, Allison. When we get to, we'll get to the all that soon. But there's a reason why it's okay. warm there for Christmas time. All right. All right. And by the way, it was filmed in Barry Island. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that here soon. But like on every retro blood, we got to get into first about the history of what was happening in our two favorite subjects. The pro wrestling and the metal music around the release date of October 24th, 1987. Yeah. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. October 22nd, (laughs) 1987. I was reading when the wrestling stuff happened. Uh, So before this, though, like there was like two movies that we reviewed like from this month already. Mm -hmm. And and that would be um, Prom Night 2. Hello, Mary Lou. Check it out in the archives. And of course, a very early episode of Retro Blood, Prince of Darkness. And both those movies are uh, a lot more entertaining than this one. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, that's true. I mean, you know, if we were going to the movies this weekend and we could only see one movie, this would not be the one we would have picked. But yeah. it does have its... Uh, upside in some ways but yeah prince of darkness doesn't you know, there's no way this thing compares to prince of darkness i mean that movie's a masterpiece yeah check it's it out in the ar- check it out in the archives everybody you know what i mean retro blow you we, we don't have to you can go back and listen to whatever movie you want hear our sweet voices about it exactly that's back when we had our shitty sound though so we're lo-fi back then actually it wasn't that bad like i re-listened to the episode we did about silent night deadly night because I was in my yeah. holiday horror film fanatic. I wanted to see what my brain thought of that movie. Because I rewatched right. it again. All right? Like, because yeah. I, love, I love watching that movie on Christmas. I just love that fucking movie. All right? So I rewatched it again. I listened to our show. And I was like, you know what? It didn't sound that bad. Not as, not as bad as we say. Like, you sound like you're on the phone. But, like, fuck it. I've heard, I've heard worse. So it's not that bad. That's true. I mean, I've heard professional shows that sound worse than that, to be honest with you. Yeah. So. But uh, but we sound so much better now that we have our more professional equipment. Yeah. Moving on up, brother. Retro Blood. We're also going to be doing a lot of stuff in the next year, too. And mm-hmm. pretty soon, we're probably going to start doing some video shit, too. Because that's how you get your uh, name out there. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on that later on in the future. But let's get into the pro wrestling first, everyone. Because just like we were doing this whole month... Um, we're going to be talking about the WCCW territory, the world-class mm-hmm. territory out of Texas, 
reason we do that is because the release of the Iron Claw, which I did see. I know you haven't seen nice. it yet, Allison. Um, I would love to do a review of that movie because the movie was a good movie, very well acted, but has a wrestling fan and knew what happened in the territory and knew what the uh, the Von Erichs looked like in person. Um, it kind of took me out of it a little bit, but the overall story and acting I thought was pretty good. But I'd like to get your thoughts whenever you uh, watch that movie. Yeah, the two things I w- didn't want to say about it immediately was like I heard that they they almost exclude they almost cut MJF out of the movie altogether. Well, he's only in there um, for like a, if you saw him by the corner of your eye, you would see him for like a second. Okay, because yeah, apparently originally he had a larger part, but they cut his part down yeah. for runtime. Well, he was playing you know Lance Von Erich, <clears throat> which is like the fake the, Von Erich, the fake Von Erich, which yeah. like. <laughs> At the time when we're going to be talking about this show, this show happened on October 24th, 1987. Like how I transitioned that. So by this time, by by this time, the last Von Eric was already exposed to being a fake Von Eric. And he even went to Ken Pantera's, uh, I think it was a a wild wrestling federation. And Mm -hmm. when, and then they, then when that was kind of working, it kind of wasn't working. They merged. All right. WCCW, well, it was WCWA at this time, and they merged. And one of the big deals of them merging was, yeah, we're not going to be working with that uh, uh, Lance Von Eric guy again. <laughs> so I thought that wow, part was okay. a little interesting. There's a lot of stuff that's happened between last review talking about world class and this review because we jumped a couple years and a lot has happened with this promotion. First of all, they're on the down, they're, they're not in the toilet yet, but they're getting there. But this is a pretty interesting period too, in 1987, where we're we're getting we 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 gone down the toilet a lot because there's a lot that's happened. You know, we had the um, we had Gino Hernandez. He died in 19. A lot of shit happened in 1986. To be honest with you, that made the territory kind of sink a lot. Uh, Gino Hernandez died in in early 1986 from the cocaine overdose. Then the uh, Fritz wanted to pull uh, WC- WCCW from the NWA because he wanted to make his own world champion. Um, he just was, and then a lot of well, basically, kind of what happened was the NWA Mid South. They didn't they didn't want to keep bringing Ric Flair down down to this territory because of all the deaths that were happening and all like the uh, mm-hmm. like you know all the, all the the bad publicity you know going on at this yeah. time at the uh, at the world class. So that's when Fritz is like, well, you know, screw it. I'm going to make my own world belt anyway. So the the mid, I think it was like the mid champion or something like that. They had so many fucking belts in this place. But the, it was like their main, their, their, it was WCW, WCCW's main championship besides the NWA was uh, the mid-south, uh, mid-something belt. And they, and they basically, they rechristened that to the world belt. And that was with yeah. Rick Rude. So he became the world champion. And a lot of territories uh, didn't recognize that belt for a while as being a true world title, which is interesting. And then, you know, as the years gone on, um, they kind of lost some steam. That's when they kind of signed a deal with uh, Jerry Jarrett. They kind of, you know, mm-hmm. kind of do like a half promotion thing. And a lot of people actually were uh, there in like later on 90s, 1986, a lot of people left for the, um, I believe it was like the UWF. Yeah, the UWF at this time. A lot of people left there, um, but then some people were coming back. All right, uh, during all this as well, 
once we get to the actual 90, 1987 area, uh, this is when, of course, we had the the horrible death of Mike Von Erich because you know he got you know he got injured and he had that uh, uh, toxic shock syndrome. And then a little yeah. bit, and then he came back and everything. You know, just there's whole stories about Mike. I'm not going to get to the every freak every detail about it, but basically, you know, he took a bunch of pills and he he committed uh, uh, suicide around Louisville Lake, which I actually lived right by. Like my house was literally at Louisville Lake, which is crazy. Right. Wow. Um, you know, it's a big lake though, so I'm not exactly sure which part. But my house when I lived in Texas was about I can get to Louisville Lake probably in less than like five minutes. Um, but you know, with, with Mike, just really quick, you know, just he was Fritz was trying to make him like the next David Von Erich. Uh, Mike just was never there physically or ability and stuff. Um, he hurt himself, you know, a lot of drugs at this time, you know, a lot of like mental anguish. He, he got arrested multiple times for DWI, got arrested for drugs and everything. And then, of course, he wrote the suicide letter and then ended his life, which is never something you should do. But, you know, the whole uh, 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 story about the Vonics is very, very interesting, very, very tragic. So... Uh, and they they did bring up that stuff in the in the movie, but they made Mike's character a little different in the movie than he was like in like real life. So, so right, part, right. like parts parts of the Mike story in the movie were correct, but then there were some parts that were like uh, not not correct at all. Um, and then also during 1987, this is also too when we had the um, Carrie Von Eric actually had his motorcycle accident that uh that hurt his foot um actually i believe that happened yes. in like 90 1986 so basically from 1980 like later 1986 to like around midpoint 1987 he was like out for a little bit so he would kind of like come in and out because if you remember with his foot uh he he, he got the accident his ankles all messed up right and he was trying to heal it but then he got back into the ring too quick and that's when the real damage happened where he actually had to amputate <clears throat> from there that's what i was gonna ask i was yeah. gonna like is this where they had to amputate his foot because of the accident yeah but actually he if he hadn't got in back in the ring too as quick as he did he might have been able to save his foot yeah it, it, it's possible you know what i mean you know i i don't i don't know the exact details of what what his foot was um but yeah it, it is possible if he if he rests on it or took care of it some more he can come back but the problem was is that carry was like the main draw of the territory you know, and mm-hmm. it's not like this territory at this time was, you know, they had like baby face after baby face after baby face. You know what I mean? And especially because, um, I mean, their business is like super down. Like, check this out. So they had their pr- Parade of Champions card, which is kind of like their version of like SummerSlam. You know, if you want to elevate it to what it is today, like a really big show. And yeah. and the so basically this this one happened where they would they would always do the parade of champion where they would uh, ever since David died they would honor David's name during this parade of champions every year, and then of course yeah. Mike died this year of 1987 so they decided to do a tribute show to both of them, but this is like 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 this is how bad this territory is right now and it's sad. So the past three events of this parade of champion ever since Mike David died drew two thousand fans or two thousand. 20,000 fans, all right? And then this event in 1987 drew 6,000 fans. 
Wow. So yeah, they yeah. were way down. Way down. And that match had uh, uh, Kevin Von Erich defeated, defending the title, the world title, against Nord the Barbarian. Have you ever heard of Nord well, the Barbarian? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> he's a protege of. Uh, he's a protege of Bruiser Brody, apparently. Oh. So. Wow. And then, of course, at this time, WrestleMania three was happening, so that took up a lot of the uh, the spotlight too. We had uh, we had the Texas oil kind of going down on price as well. That didn't help out at that at this time as well. And then, of course, in mid nineteen eighty seven, after the buyout of the UWF by Jim Crockett Promotions, Kim Mattel launched his own Wild West Wrestling. That's what it called, Wild West Wrestling. And this is when they brought a bunch of people over. But then, like I said, they merged back. Um, we also had, uh, like, before all this, before this event even happened here, another spoiler I want to get to, then I'll get to the full card that I that I watched, was Chris Adams. He actually, in 1986, or, it, yeah, I think it was, like, 1986 or beginning around 1987, he he won the the world belt like their version of the world belt, but what happened was he actually got uh, arrested for a d- domestic yeah. domestic de- uh, dispute in a Dallas um, airport. He was so drunk in this airport they start headbutting punching fly uh, uh, airport uh, people like airport employees. All yeah, right? can't go wrong when you try to do that. Yeah. So he got fired, and then when he got fired, he went NWA, and but basically it was in Jim Crockett because they were in the, the the UWF. So he left the NWA over a money dispute, all right, and he returned. Chris Adams did to October third, nineteen eighty seven. So he's like brand new in this promotion again after being gone for like almost a year, because the show I'm going to talk about happened on October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty seven. And upon his return, he worked a little worked a little angle with Alvarez, who Alvarez at this time was actually the world champion. And wait till I wait till I talk about his uh, challengers too. And you gotta tell me what's wrong there. Um, and then he he was and then also too he's also starting an angle um, with uh, Eric Embry at this time, and that's what he was doing this show. So. Basically, I just want to get that out of the way because there's so much that happened from 1985 that I believe we left off and then 1987. I mean, just in those two years, there's just so much turmoil and like, you know, just so much bad booking, just so much happenstance for this territory. Oh, another big thing is, then I'll get to the car, was I believe it was the 19, I believe it might have happened in this year, 1987 where they did their mm-hmm. Star Wars Christmas show. And this is the Christmas show that, um, that they called the Christmas Day Massacre because this is when they had the very bad booked uh, Fritz uh, faking a heart, heart attack angle. All right? And that one really soured people on the promotion when they did all that. Did you ever hear about that story? Um, I've heard about it a little bit, yeah. But I, you uh-huh. might be able to tell the story better. Yeah, I mean, one day we're probably going to talk about it on long form because it is a very sure. fascinating story. But basically, um, they what they did was they they tried to rebrand the. They had this rebranding going on for like a, almost a year of the the new um, Freebirds. Uh, we talked about this yeah. before. You know, we had Ice Band, we had uh, uh, you know Terry Gordy and uh, Buddy Rogers and stuff, and 
they were going against like Kevin Carey and Chris Adams. So they had this big mm-hmm. six man tag. And I believe it was Iceman or somebody like pushes Fritz over. I think it might have been Gordy. Um, and then they were the the, the Von Erich kids were trying to help their dad out, but then the dad like fell to the floor, and it made news that like you know he might have had a heart attack or he passed out and stuff. But then later on, the the Texas news figured out that it was fake, and they're kind of like they got a little pissed about that because oh yes, it's mm-hmm. like this this family and this territory already had so many tragedies. Why? why make a fake one you know what i mean like it just it was just really bad time and it really hurt the territory yeah it's just in bad taste really you know like you uh like you know you have uh they've 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 lived through these true true tragedies so they tried to create this fake one and people really you know it really it really made them look bad yeah Yeah, i i remember that story now and yeah i i completely agree with their saying but i mean it is a you know, it is a story, you know, it's not like he, you know, yeah, faked his death or something. So this show, which I get to pretty quickly, because to be honest with you, there wasn't a whole lot going on in the show. Like you can tell that this territory is not like, it's like, you could tell that they're getting some people back and they're trying to be hot again, but like, it just doesn't work out, you know? So we have the, we have, uh, uh, the beginning match. So we're in the sportatorium during this time. All right. And we have Ted Arkea, you know, the 701, what was it, 705 bench press guy? Remember, we talked about him before. Jacked. Yeah. This guy was fucking jacked and fucking, uh, he looked like a brick wall. I was like, damn. And his manager was uh, Percy Pringle, which of course would be later on Paul Bear, which, um, yeah. It's pretty crazy to think about that. Like, this is 1987, and then Paul, like, you know, Percy Pringle would probably be, was it 91? 92 when he debuted with debuted with the undertaker and that would actually take off his career but he was like a famous manager even before this before he was paul bearer which is crazy he, yeah he he became paul bearer when he debuted with the undertaker no yeah but like first it was brother love but i think it was just a couple months mm-hmm. later after that they wanted to find undertaker more like you know suitable manager so that's when they went to paul bearer but i can't remember if that was in later 90 no it's probably in 92 yeah, I'm guessing because Undertaker de- debuted in November of 1991, so it probably was in like February or March or something of '92 when Paul came aboard. So, and that's just off the top of my head. I'm not sure if that's factual, everybody. Uh, so, our boy Ted, he's fighting Sweet Brown Sugar. Allison, that sounds like a wrestling name that you would have. That's a great wrestling name. That I mean, is a great I love one. That. Sweet Brown Sugar. Yeah, yep. Sweet Brown Sugar, brother. And then basically, this match, they're just beating each other up. They actually go pretty quick. Like, they're actually, like, fighting each other in a very fast pace for two big guys. I was actually pretty impressed with this match. And they both got disqualif- disqualified for whooping both their asses. Wow. Yeah. But it was a pretty good little brawl there. So I was like, okay, this is actually uh, for two big guys going at it. I was like, okay, not too bad. So then we had this match. This match took forever. But it, nah, it was this one wasn't too bad. So we have Eric Embry, who is like their lightweight champion at this time, versus mm, right. Sean Simpson, which we talked about Sean Simpson before. He's like the guy that kind of looks like Jungle Boy. All right. And then we have the newly hired Chris Adams on commentary, talking about how, how much of a coward Eric is this whole time. And basically, Eric, like after, like this guy just does stalling and stall. Like you, if you, if you, if you go to pro wrestling school 
and they teach you how to sell to the audience. This guy, Eric Embry, he he was doing all that because he was being over the top selling every move that this Chris, this is a uh, Sean guy did. It was something to see. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes <clears throat> overselling is bad, but I mean, you know, if you're, I don't know, he's probably just trying to put the other guy over. Yeah, I and mean, maybe doing it a little though. bit too. Uh, so he to, really put the guy over because he just left. He just left the fucking match out the at the back door exit. He just left, and he gets counted out. And Chris Adams comes in, drags his ass back in. They beat on him for a little bit, and then he just leaves again. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was something. Okay, and this is actually so. This right here was my. Uh, I don't know why this is my favorite part of the show because there's like no action going on, but I was just I couldn't believe my eyes when I was reading this list. So WCCW has some rankings. Remember the rankings that AEW used to do? Remember they used to have a ranking system? Yeah. Well, Remember w- when it used to be yeah. like uh, sports? Yeah. So you know WCCW, they've always been kind of like that. Like they were like they were like actually one of the first promotions to have like a more like sport like atmosphere. We're having like camera stuff in the ring. You know, signing autographs to fans outside the ring. You know, very sports presentation, which I always really liked. Liked. Um, when they promote you yeah. to do that, but they have this ranking system, right? And I just could not believe this. And let me read the let me read the challengers for their world heavyweight title. Who's their top five Listen. contenders? And tell me uh, who who doesn't belong here? Okay. 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 So our champion is Al Perez. Okay. Okay. Yes, Al Perez. All right, but check out his challengers. Okay. So we have number one is Kevin Von Erich. All right. Okay. Number two is Bruiser Brody. Okay. Right. Number three is Mil Mascaras. That's what the commentary guy said. Okay. And number five, Antonio Inoki. Out of, out of nowhere. Okay. And then number okay. five, Stan Hansen. Okay. So you're fucking one, two. Is that two, all of them? Yes. They're the top, these are the top five contenders there, Allison. So you're telling me that the top five contenders are these legendary wrestling figures and your fucking champion is Al Perez? Yeah, so Al Perez doesn't fit there. <laughs> Even though um, I need to see Al Perez versus Antonio Inoki. What the? F- How is Antonio Inoki yeah. number four on your fucking list? <laughs> well, you kind of swerved me there because I thought that uh, we were going to find somebody actually lower than Al Perez, but no. um, that's pretty crazy to think that. that uh, and my my question is going to be: um, How many of those people actually competed against Al Perez for the title? I'm guessing maybe Kevin did. Kevin and probably and Bruiser Brody, it. and they might have got maybe. like Mills Mascaras there. Yeah, but Antonio, no, but, I was like, wow. Antonio and Nuki. number four. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, um, just the most famous Japanese wrestler in yeah. history is only yeah. number four compared to, to face Al Perez at your fucking dying Texas territory. Mm-hmm. They're just funny yeah. Too. I mean, it is pretty. It is pretty hilarious because it's just like they they just thought of like you know big name big names yeah world, you know fa- world famous wrestlers that they could get. That's not Ric Flair. Even though, even though I bet Stan Hansen would have been a great Texas heavyweight champion. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean, hell yeah! I mean, Stan Hansen probably wrestled more in Japan than he did in the United States, I would imagine. But yeah, um, because he was huge there. Um, 
So but then, yeah, Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen would have been a great Texas championship. So sure. then we have the uh, the light heavyweight title, which is one I barely knew most people off the list. Uh, like I said, the champion was Eric Embry. The only fascinating part of this is apparently he won the belt in Africa. So they're they're they're. I didn't know. I didn't actually. Weird. I didn't really know that world class traveled to Africa. Um, I know they were big in um, Israel. Like they were like huge over there in Israel. I don't know why they were that, so popular then. I think it was because it was wrestling that was on television. I guess they got because the there's probably somehow. not that back then. There's probably not really any Israeli wrestling. And one thing, the thing about it that you got to consider too is like. You can, I mean, people, you know, we would discover it all the time. Like I ran into somebody today that, you know, people make fun of wrestling all the time. They're like, well, why do you like wrestling? And I, but people all over the world love wrestling. Yeah. Especially American wrestling. But like they, you know, anywhere that you can see wrestling on television, that become it becomes popular. So there's something about it, obviously, that people love. But yeah, I mean, like they probably they probably had a media outlet that would show their show on television, and they became popular there because of it. And could it be the same thing with wherever they were in Africa. You know, they they had a station that would buy their show, and it became popular, so they went over there and did a show. Yeah, yeah. This list isn't as impressive. You know, I liked how they had Tiger Mask on here, so that's cool. Yeah. So then, the only belt that I would actually want to challenge for. We have the top ten, or the top sorry, the top five contenders. Yeah, right. Says the world brass knuckles title, brother, has made its way back Ooh. to the retro blood. Yeah, that's a that's a hardcore title right there. The world brass knuckles championship. <laughs> I mean, fuck, bro. I mean, why we can't need we? To, we need to find one of these brass knuckles matches. I know, <laughs> and I gotta see what the belt looked like too. Fuck. Should just yeah. have to like two brass knuckles on it with blood. I know exactly. We gotta find it. It's just like I mean, you know they could bring that back. You know when they do like NXT Underground or some shit. You know what I mean? Just bring back the brass. Oh knuckle yeah. Belt. Well, I don't know if uh, WWE would do that, but maybe AEW would do that. Well, GCW you know? probably yeah. that'd be a good belt for them. Yeah. Sure. But like, so sure. first of all, the the World Brass Knuckles Champion is Tony Atlas. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Do they actually fight with brass knuckles? I have. I, I fuck. I should have done that research. I haven't yet, but because that seems like it would right. be a really short match. Because I mean, you know, if you get punched with brass knuckles, that's pretty much it. Maybe what we'll do for like the New Year's episode, like you know, not 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 on New Year's, but like you know, the next Sunday is, we'll do the history of the brass knuckles champion. How about that? That'd be okay. Fun. Sounds good to me. Because I actually we'll, am pretty. We'll uh, I actually <laughs> pretty interested in that. Let's just remember re- remember that shit. Uh, but I'm actually, sure pretty, there's a YouTube video about it. Yeah, I want to see what it looks like. We'll describe what it looks like, who the champions were, some matches to recommend. That'd be kind of fun. Makes it make it a little easier for us on the the first episode of the new year. But his, but Tony Atlas's five challenges are a a a, Bula, a duel of the butcher, which makes sense. The Iron Sheik, who was actually in his territory at this particular time, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen. And Maniac Mark Lewin. And I don't know about you, Allison, but all those challengers seem way more hardcore than the black Superman himself, Tony Atlas. Well, yes. So, so they are much more hardcore, but Tony Atlas is huge, so he is he's huge. not easy to take down. Huge, brother. So speaking of that, 
That's when we cut into our second bout. We have the world champion Al Perez with his manager Gary Hart versus the black Superman Tony Atlas, brother. And if you guys like big muscular power men who do power body match, now actually to be honest with you, when I was watching this match, a lot of stalling, okay, a lot of big spots, you know, like you know headlocks and push downs and stuff like that. You know, all the big stats you would see. But you know what this match is missing, Allison? It was missing posing. What? They didn't pose as much. Man. Fuck, man. Like, you know, if you got the body, just pose, brother. That's all. You know, I was just thinking when I was watching it, you know, these guys would just pose more. I would like this match. <laughs> but uh, this you is... You gotta a, have that in a body match. Yeah, you got to. <clears throat> so this match is uh, extremely slow compared to the fucking first match we had that was fast as shit. These guys were fucking taking their fucking time on everything. All right? <laughs> and uh, this this Atlas guy, Tony Atlas, like, this guy was fucking ginormous. He looked like the fucking Hulk. All right? Not Hulk Hogan, but, like, the actual Hulk from Marvel. All right? Yes. And he's just beating them all over. But, like, I okay, everybody, tell me how this makes sense if you, see, if you watch the show. By the way, this show is on Peacock, by the way. October 24th, 1987. And when you get to close to the finish of this match between Al Perez and the Superman himself. So there was like a distraction. Okay. And then Gary Hart like taps Tony Atlas on the back while he's in a pinning pinning area, pinning situation with uh, Perez. He like taps him on the back and then Perez just like pins him and i was like did he tap him with something like a brick or something i mean unless he hit it very well i couldn't see anything so look he just like tapped him and then al perez pinned him and that was it it was really awkward okay so it's a weird weird, really weird finish for a very slow match and i can't believe al perez was the champion for that long when they had all those great contenders under their belt supposedly all right, so then our last match of this uh, spectacular card is we, we see a match that happened at the Cotton Bowl. All right? And, boy, if people want to make fun of uh, AEW for not having a lot of seats filled on the hard camera, boy, just take a look at this match. Because they were in a fucking huge baseball stadium, and that shit looked empty as fuck. All right? <laughs> Like, yeah, those, damn. <clears throat> there was probably just people on the floor and no hardly yeah. anybody in the stands. Yeah, yeah. This is probably a match that they had from the Parade of Champions um, because it looked like it looked like it could have uh, suited twenty thousand people, and they probably only had six. So we have the Iron Sheik. He's there, and he's facing Matt wow. Bourne. All right. Okay. So isn't Matt Bourne? Didn't he play the uh, Doink? Right? Do I got that right? I believe so. Yeah, they had the they had the whole dark side about him and shit. The only thing is, every time mm-hmm. I hear Matt Bourne's name, I immediately think of Evan Bourne. Yeah, well, Matt Bourne, like he, but they're different people. Yeah, <laughs> like he, I, I know there's a whole dark side of the ring about him, and I know he had like a lot of demons with drugs and shit like that. And there's a big controversy of how he died. But boy, yeah. this guy, man, like he was actually pretty good. Like when he was in his territory, like he was. Uh, pretty good like he got some good um baby face you know reactions and everything because you know iron Sheik is really good about getting heat especially if like come on you're you know you're the iron Sheik. you're in texas 
waving the Iraq flag, and then fucking you know doing the whole anthem like you know the gimmick he always did in New York, and he always great get uh, got great heat. I just, I just like um, yes. So like Matt Bourne runs out with the you know the USA flag, and like like he, he grabs the mic, he's like Iron Sheik, I need you to go back to Tyran, brother. Iran, that's perfect. <laughs> it's like that is, and then perfect. like he said something. It's like I know you live here now, but you got to remember where you lived before. Go back, Tyran. It's like this guy. It was a. Uh, it was just really funny. It's, it's like promo skills on this. I'm talking really quick, and then their their match was okay. Um, a lot of back and forth, fighting on the floor and everything. <clears throat> and then, of course, they they eventually both get um, disqualified for beating each other up in the back back uh, on the floor. And I, right. be- I I believe I think it might have been I think they both got disqualified, but I couldn't really tell because the ring announcer didn't really say. But they basically started beating each other with chairs and stuff. And then the Iron Sheik was about to lay the Iran flag over. Matt Bourne, but then he fought out of it and beat him down, and then he waved Old Glory like Hulk Hogan did in the WWF, and that ends the show. Um, and then we have the announcement uh, of the Von Erich Over the World Tour, which I talked about before, which this tour yeah. was basically to make World Class seem like they were a bigger promotion because they can go to different territories. So. But yeah. Um. But yeah, Matt Bourne was indeed the first doing the clown. Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah, there's a whole like dark side on him, everybody. But I remember checking it out because they talk about this in there too. Like he, you know, he 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 played a really good doing the clown because he's very demented. But before then, when he was in world class and everything, he actually was a pretty big like star. You know what I mean? They actually had him do a lot of uh, good angles, and he actually was a pretty good wrestler, and he got a lot of good baby face reactions too. So very uh very uh very interesting character personal life a little wild balson yeah, as a lot of those guys were but i but you know i, I enjoy talking about this uh world-class promotion like i said everybody if you haven't checked it out check out the iron claw very fun movie um if you know about the history it might be a little weird <laughs> on certain aspects of the film but it's still good regardless but you know this is the retro blood we'll probably be talking about world-class later down the road but like I said, next week we'll probably talk a little bit about the history of the Brass Knuckles Championship because that'd be pretty fun. But Allison, what do we got for the metal music? What are we going to be playing in the Trans Am, brother? What's going to be happening? Well, as we've mentioned before, um, we've done movies from this month uh, a couple of times. So, but I did find we did find something that we hadn't talked about a metal album. So, um, you, I'm sure, and I'm sure most of the people out there are familiar with the band Sepultura which I've never known if I'm saying that name right. I'm not sure if it's Sepultura or Sepultura. I believe it's Sepultura. That's how I was on it too. But it's, uh, it's Portuguese for uh, a gr- for grave, I think. Uh, like, a, like, a, like a grave, like a, where you put dead people. Um, I think that's what that name means. But anyway, so they released um, their full-length album, uh, Schizophrenia, the week of this movie. So Sepultura is a band that I liked in the early days, but I don't really care for them now. They kind of, in the mid-90s, I guess, early 90s, they kind of split in two, and Max quit the band, who's the singer and main songwriter, and everybody else stayed, and he got a different singer, 
But then a few years ago, his brother, who was the drummer, quit and joined Max and his band. So now Max's band is more like, sounds like Sepultura more than the Sepultura that's touring the world now. But um, basically the people in the band now are just like the guitar player and the bass player and then a different singer and a different drummer. Um, and I think they just announced their farewell tour for next year as well. So they're they're going to hang it up, but uh, Max and Igor are going to keep on playing the Sepultura music. They've been re-recording all those early albums. Um, but they have not re-recorded this album. So you still get the original version of this. Um, this album is like where they first started becoming like a thrash metal band. Like they, the first album is more like a black metal album when they released Morbid Visions. Um, but this album, um, they got Andreas Kaiser as their, as their guitar player. And he was more, definitely more, uh, technical, um, than the guy that he replaced. So they, they were able to do a lot more with their sound and it became more of like a death metal type thrash metal band. Um, they still haven't reached the classics yet. Like, uh, the next album would be beneath the remains, which is like, in my opinion, like beneath the remains and arise that are two best albums. And they're like, they're about to get there, but they're not quite there yet. But uh, I mean, this album has songs like from the past comes the storms. It has a different version of troops of doom, um, it doesn't have a lot of what I would call classics, but it is a very good album. Um, what is your uh, history with the Sepultura? Have you been, have ever been a fan of them or seen them live or anything like that? So I didn't see, like, I actually never seen Sepultura live. That mm-hmm. I can think about, and I think I might have had like maybe like some of their early albums that I listened to like a little bit, but I was actually more of a fan of the Soulfly. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Especially yeah. you know when you were uh, of the age that you are. Yeah. Um, Soulfly to me is just too new metal. Like the, yeah. it's just the early Sepultura is just too new metal for me. Uh, I mean, excuse me, early Soulfly. Um, so the music Soulfly is making now, I think, is really good because it's oh, just nice. like straight metal. But um, but yeah, I mean, their early early Soulfly stuff was a little bit too much limp biscuity, if you will. Yeah. Um, I can see that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like Max is just a great, he's just a great songwriter. He's a great singer, good guitar player. Everything he does is good. He was in this band called Nail Bomb that was really good. He's done a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, I saw them, uh, uh, where did I see them? Oh, at the Orange Peel okay. a couple of years ago. Um, and they were playing two Sepultura albums. They were playing Beneath the Remains and Arise straight in a row. I don't think you went to that show with me. Uh, that was nah. a, that was great. That was fantastic. Uh, but they've been doing that, and they're still doing it. Max Negor touring the world, playing the Sepultura music still. Um, I'm sure they're going to play Schizophrenia soon because that's about the only old album they haven't played so far. So I expect them to do a uh, Schizophrenia tour pretty soon, and maybe we can uh, we can hear that live yeah, for the first time fun. ever. Yeah, that'd definitely be but fun. But yeah, um, yeah, so not a lot in the metal front this this week, but uh, everybody listen to Schizophrenia by Sepultura. Sepultura is a great band. Yeah, yeah, definitely very fun. Uh, keeping the thrash. And they, you know, it's, it's crazy that they think they, they were starting kind of around this time and they're still going to this day. So it's pretty well. Yeah, a, I mean, like Max was like 16 years older or something probably when they made this album. Like, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like when they made their first time, they're like 14. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how young they were being able to do this. Some wild shit up there, man. Yeah, it's pretty wild. <clears throat> so I'd say let's get into the who booked this shit, brother. 
Who booked this shit? I have to know. <laughs> so this one is a 1987 British supernatural horror film directed by yeah. Norman J. Warren. <clears throat> yes. Right? So this guy, he did, uh, so he's known, this Norman J. Well, J is for, uh, for John Warren. Yeah, Norman John Warren, yeah. Yes. He is known to do Satan's Slave. All right. Sounds great to me. Pray. This is all 70s shit. The, and yeah. Terror, 1978. And he's all, Warren is also known for his sex comedies, such as Outer Touch, also known as Outer Space and Spaced Out. <laughs> yeah, brother. <laughs> I like it. Let's go. Outer Touch. Outer Touch, brother. Sure. Sure, that's an equal classic to uh, yeah, Bloody New Year. So I, I when I when I first uh, put on this film, everybody can find it off Tubi because you know we don't have a you know shoot brother, we don't have the VHS where I just bought it from the Blockbuster or the uh, down, yeah we don't. But you know, and shoot, we I wouldn't even gone to Blockbuster. I would have gone to Allison's Rena Center. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I'd have all I have all the good yeah. movies there. So this one was released on tape. All right, October 22nd, 1987, over here in the United States. And so this film was mostly shot in Wales. All right. Yep. And the film features electronic score composed by Nick Magnus, as well as seven songs by Magnus and Chase Cronk's band Cry No More. You got any Cry No More stories on here? I have no. Uh, the only Cry No More stories I have is. Uh, trying to cry no more while I watched them in this movie. <laughs> they but weren't that bad. They kind of remind, you know what I mean? <laughs> they weren't no, that bad. They, they, they weren't that bad. Right? They weren't that bad. I was like, you know what? These guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I can't really explain it. Like weird science, you know what I mean? That kind of shit. You know what I mean? I can't it, really Yeah, it's, it's like, it's almost like, like new wave music or something. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really odd. So apparently Warren, he was approached by Maxine Julius to make a horror film for her and develop the plot over seven days with the line produced Hayden with the with the producer Hayden Pierce. Bloody New Year was meant as a homage to the 1950s B movies, the film being set on an island trapped in a time warp where there's always New Year's Eve nineteen fifty nine. So I guess they're trying to they they what they were trying to do is like make a homage to those style movies made in like the fifties. Yeah, like uh, House on Haunted Hill and that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. So originally, the entire film was found to be set in the 1950s, but the idea was banned to budget cuts or restraints. According to Warren, the premise was inspired by the real-life contamination of a Scottish island as a result of a failed disease-controlled experiment. So that actually was a real story that happened. So he that's how he kind of came up with the idea of the old... Airplane crashes with a time machine in. Okay, we'll get there. Sure. So the new Bloody New Year was filmed in June, and it was shot mostly in and around this seaside resort of Barry Island in South Wales. Okay, and with Ferris Point housing servicing has a film location for the Grand Island Hotel. Uh, another interesting fact that you know where the fairground you at the beginning where they're at that little fair park. They actually let um, the film crew rent that whole area out um, for for not that much money. 
is about 300 pounds. How much is 300 pounds? Are you good with your little... Uh, 300 pounds now or then? Or then. Oh, well, let me see. I have to do an inflation and currency conversion. Let's see. I got you working over here, brother. <laughs> I got to do the math. Let's see. I got it over here, brother. Let's see here. Currency converter. Let's convert the uh, pounds to dollars. What do we have, 300 pounds? Yeah, so basically it was about 382 right now. That's yeah, that's what it is now. now. And then inflation. It, it'd be about, uh, it'd be, actually, it might have been not, uh, 935 pounds. So let's see what that is. So it'd be 1,190. Okay. Nowadays. That's still pretty, I mean, fuck, nowadays, you know, fuck, you want to run up, but that shit would probably, like, they'd probably ask for half a mil. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So absolutely. like, if he got a whole fucking amusement park for like a day or two out of just a one thousand ninety dollars, one thousand one hundred ninety, that's a pretty good deal. And apparently, like to secure some extras for those scenes, the crew they just offered free rides to members of the public. So like, hey, everybody, just come around, just ride your rides like normal, and you would just be shot in this film. So, yeah, and you don't have to pay anything. I think. I yeah. mean, that would totally work. Like, yeah. hey, you can come. Like, you know, if they just told you, hey. You can go into Disney World for free if we can just film you for this movie. You'd totally do that. Yeah. And apparently the um, the actors that were playing in the, uh, the the beginning scene, the black and the white footage, uh, yeah. they had extras playing around the dancing hotel. Uh, those were members of a local rock and roll uh, society, and they all worked unpaid. So I was like, damn, right there. The, the, these uh, independent people they, they know what to do brother they get a they get a they get a discount on a f- fucking roller coaster uh, or like a theme park and they got people working for free for them I was like bro this guy fucking, well yeah I mean you, you gotta yeah. you gotta do what you can do when you're an independent filmmaker you know yeah. you know all about that I was like damn this guy got the hookups so but um, you know this movie is probably not really that well known at all <laughs> All right. Um, no, but I do remember seeing it on the shelves at the video store when I was young, when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I never saw it though, so this is like my first chance to see it. <clears throat> yeah. So apparently there was some censorship in this film. Uh, Warren had yeah. a particular bloody scene from the crew's climax, where the zombie, where the zombified dad, kills Rick by slicing his head with the outboard motor propeller, which we did see that uh, it was violence was toned down to ensure that the British Board of Film Classification would award the film a 15 certi- certificate instead of a restrictive 18 mm-hmm. so basically he wanted to show when he when he chopped the head off it would be uh, a bit more so and of course you know like I was saying before a lot of people when they did reviews about this film you can also obviously take that um, the Evil Dead or the Beyond stuff it had a lot of you know even um, Zombie, had, you know, had a lot of influence on this film, as you can see. I feel like uh, there was a huge Evil Dead influence on, in this. Yeah. Which, you know, we, we, we were talking about this before when we do films like these. You know, I yeah. think we talked about this during our Halloween episode of Night of the Demons. You know, Evil Dead was like one of the most copied films when you want to do a demon film. 
You know, just like night, just like Friday the Thirteenth was for the slashers, Evil Dead was for like the demons. Well, yeah, because Evil Dead pretty much did it perfectly. Yeah. So, because you know, most of the films, you know, they 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 would get all inspired by Evil Dead, and it's just the way they had they did the, uh, the 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 demons and how they act and how they talked and stuff. They might spice it up a little bit different in the films, but it's very very similar. So it's pretty uh pretty interesting to see movies that like you know obviously copy one of the originals. So. But everybody, I say we get this New Year's party started. Let's get into the full review of Bloody Let's New Year. Let's do it. It started as a day out, a trip that held the promise of fun and pleasure. But for Rick and his friends, the fun ended early when they landed on Grand Island. Those who dare face a horrifying and bloody new year. Attacked by the dead. Threatened by evil. Chased by the unknown. Terrorized by monsters. So we have an intro. It's all black and white. It looks like we're watching. It looks like we're watching a, a movie, but then we're watching a movie through a television screen. All right. Yes. I was like, okay. And I liked it where that's like, how we know we're in the past because it's black and white. Yeah, exactly. Nothing was in color then. And I don't know if you noticed this, Allison, but I thought this was funny. Like when they're doing the credits, the credits yeah. said like in alphabetical order, and then they just list all the cast in alphabetical order. I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Like, yeah, instead of listing them as, uh, well, that's probably listening. because there was no stars in this. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, we're listing all the all the actors in alphabetical order. I was like, that's yeah. really interesting. Maybe that's something they did in the old days. I don't know. Uh, so we can see it's 1959, and it was going to 1960, and this is some sort of party. You know, we have people, you know, dancing, having a good time. Everybody looks like they're leaving now. And then we have, at, when the party ends and stuff, we're, we're stuck on this one girl. Everything yep. turns to color. 
All right. And then the girl looks <laughs> yeah. at the dance room. She looks in the mirror or like, it, or I guess it was a mirror. I don't know what it was. And then she gets grabbed. And then right when she gets grabbed, that's when we cut to the beach, brother. That's right. We got a hot beach over here on New Year's, kind of. It's going crazy. So you have kids in the water. They're on the beach and stuff. Uh, you know, this is right when they start using their English accents. So I was like, oh, shit, this is a British film. <laughs> I start watching it. I was like, okay, I can dig it. Uh, we had this one guy. He's like, um, his name is Tom. Okay. And he mm-hmm. is putting uh, lotion on his girl's Leslie's back. Okay. And right. this girl, Leslie, uh, she was played by Susan J. Ackerson's. And apparently she was like one of the ones that was like, um, like one of the only like famous British actress at this time that was working for this film. Cause she's been in a, she was in a bunch of TV shows. Like she was in a bunch of TV, like Mr. Bean, uh, the, the oh, filthy wow. rich yeah. and, and cat flap show. Uh, are, yeah. are you, you know, absolutely fabulous and stuff. So she did a lot of, um, TV shows and this was her, this is her only movie credited role. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> it was bloody new year, brother. So right? this is, she did. this is going to be her big jump to, to cinema. <laughs> she, did, she did one movie. She's like, Nope, it didn't work for me, brother. All right. You ain't putting that fucking white shit on my face again. All right. So, <laughs> So they're out there, and this Spud guy, he, I saw, okay, another guy, this Spud guy, he was played by this guy named Colin Haywood, right? Yes. And apparently this guy was some sort of like high-end music artist, all right? Yes. And he actually was such a great movie, uh, a music artist that he actually got um, signed by Simon Simon Cowell Cowell before. Yeah, the guy from... uh... Yeah, what's it? You know, uh, that show everybody likes that uh, sucks. That show, the show that everybody likes that. Yeah, that I hate. Yeah, yeah. I was never American, into that. Not, not America's Got Talent. What is uh? What's the show? American Singer. American Idol. Fuck. Yeah, American Idol. That's what it is. American American Singer. Yeah. American God <laughs> Singer guy. Yes. <laughs> so so, yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting about like how, like, you know, like so like, this guy does a podcast too, right? All right. Yeah. Sure. Because he was Everybody also one half, he was also one half of Yell. Ever heard of Yell? Okay, no nope. question mark. Not familiar with them at all. Okay, so I don't know if this guy takes phone calls, and okay. I wish I could because I want to ask him about this movie only. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't right. give a shit about his music career. I want to know what it was like filming this fucking movie. Okay. Like why, why, and why? How yeah. did you get through this? And like, I didn't really get his character. So his character was the third wheel horny guy. Yeah. Like first, he tries to like get some with Leslie, which is she's obviously hooking up with Tom. Then she, then yes. he tries to flirt a little bit with our other two characters that we meet, which is um, yeah. Rick and Janet. All right? right. So then they all go out to the. Uh, this scene was weird too. Okay, so they all go out to like this uh, fair, you know, because they, they, you know, they had the they had the beach, and then they got, you know, this kind of reminds me of like California, where you got like the beach, and then you can go to the little amusement park, you know what I mean? That's right by yeah. the beach. So we're seeing rides and shit like that. I was like, fuck, I can't do any of that shit. I can't do rides. Do you know that? Like, like roller coaster I don't, rides. I don't really like rides either. I just, I just don't really care. For like, them. I actually have a big fear of like fucking rides and shit. 
I can't do it, oh. man. Because like I like the problem is I had that okay. fear of falling, and that's like all roller coasters are. It's like you're falling and shit. It's so. yeah, it's just all you falling. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's very things that freak me out, but those freak me out. Um, so you got the kids; they're like wandering around stuff, and I guess uh, uh, Spud he sees that on the merry-go-round, uh, our character that we're gonna meet is Carol. She's getting bullied by. I don't know if they were named, but it was basically Ace was one of them because he had a uh, jacket called Ace. It says, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I was going to bring that up because it says Ace on the back of his jacket. Like yeah. he's some like 1950s like uh, Fonz type guy. Yeah, then we had this guy who's losing his hair. All right, and they're spinning her shit around. And eventually Tom gets, excuse me, excuse me, Tom gets there. Okay. Yeah. And he like goes in there and he takes out the little controller for the fair, for the merry-go-round, and apparently, the the dad apparently the dad owned that merry-go-round. He was having his kids harass his customers, and then Tom okay. comes there, takes out the controller, and now the dad and the two punk guys are mad for them harassing oh, well, the customer. Know. Because they, because okay. they, you know, Spud helped get Carol out there, and Tom turned off the machine, so now they're pissed. So now we're running around the whole place. So running around the whole place, we actually go to a haunted ride. We're running around the whole haunted yep. ride, and eventually the kids, um, they, 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 they find or they get a, uh, uh like a, 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 not a truck, but like a SUV that has the boat attached to it, and they all get into the car. And all the uh, the the punkers, the dad and his sons, they all get knocked into perfectly placed boxes that were there to break their fall. And they yeah, I thought up. that was pretty convenient. Yeah, so now we can see that the heels are going to be the uh, the three scooge. We should probably just call them the three stooges because they the sucked. During stooges, this, they exactly. sucked during this whole movie. <laughs> like they were like, I was like, bro, you guys, like, why did you even like? Like they didn't, <laughs> they were just there to be bodies, basically. Yeah. So, I don't know where after all this happens, what do you do? Oh, you just go on the fucking sailboat. Absolutely. I mean, so we don't, Grand yeah, Island. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Sail, well, they don't know they're going to Grand Island yet. Okay? No, they don't. They don't. But, but they're on a sailboat, and Carol's like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you all showed up. You know, my friend's not here yet. And then they're all, they're all like amazed because she's an American girl. Everybody else is British, but she's American. All right. Yeah, I thought it was weird that there's this random American girl there. Well, come on, everybody tours to United Kingdom to you know go to sure. beach and shit like that. You know what I mean? Okay. You meet sure. some nice British people. You go on a sailboat. Why not? Spud, he's doing why a why shot. Not? Spud's like, you know, I like him, hot American young women. Spuddy, this guy, he'll flirt Spud. with anything, brother. He'll he will. flirt with. If you got two legs, brother, this guy's flirting with you. Okay, he's ready to go. All right. And then out of nowhere, which I guess is the curse of the island or something, the boat starts to sink. Okay? So they all get out of there, and this is when they land on the Grand Island. Yes. Okay? So they're walking around. They find a skull. They think it's like a horse skull or something like that. They get a little weird. And that's when they actually go to the hotel itself, which is called the Grand Hotel. Wow. So we have the Grand Hotel on the Grand Island. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I wonder who did their marketing. 
How? Yeah. I mean, well, that's it. Just kind of goes together, though, you know. Yeah. Oh, but I liked my part of my notes. They leave the boat to Jaws music. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but you're right. You're yeah. right. Then it go through some barbed wire too, and a danger sign, which is funny too. So we have bar- we have a skull, barbed wire, and danger sign. Gee, I wonder if this place is dangerous. I don't know. And they just keep going. They just keep, and there's somebody following them too. I mean, come on, let's go. So they also see some old boat boat parts. Uh, they get to the hotel, and then when they get into the hotel, they see it's all dressed up for Christmas. And then one of them says, isn't it July? So that answers your question from earlier, Allison, of why it's so hot and well, springy out there. But but it's Christmas when they get there. It's not July anymore because they're in a time warp. But we don't know that yet. Yes, yes, that's true. When they land on the island, it's supposedly a time warp. So yes. maybe this island maybe it just doesn't get snow. You know what I mean? I don't know, maybe. maybe it doesn't really get cold. I don't know. Maybe it's one of them hot islands that stays hot, even if we're in a time warp. All right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so they saw the Christmas stuff. Um, they don't see, there's no people checking them in or anything like that. Um, they're walking around. Nobody answers the door. So they start splitting up into two groups to look around. And, and there's no power upstairs. And, uh, the, we also see that the uh, they actually had a pretty creepy uh, Santa Christmas toy as well too. I thought that thing was pretty cool. It was yeah, it was so awesome. So you know, technically we can add this for a holiday horror movie because there's a tree and there's a creepy Santa toy, so it counts. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a holiday movie. That's why we're doing it. Yeah. So now they go upstairs. They couldn't get the power on. They couldn't open any windows. And uh, when they do, I believe it was Janet saw some girls some person's face so she starts freaking out a little bit and uh goes over there um now now we have janet and them talk so they're seeing like old magazines because they're just we're just saying all oh, this place hasn't been updated it basically looks like the place is out of the 50s so they're kind of wondering about that it's like oh it might have been some like, 50s themed party or something for all of this stuff so once they all notice the magazine now carol she's talking to uh spud and she 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 wants like a blanket and stuff because they all they all want to change clothes because they're all wet and shit. So then this maid comes in and she's like, and then the maid's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. I got all the clothes for you and stuff. Here, take this towel and everything. And Spud comes back and is like, oh, you didn't see the maid? He's like, no, I didn't know there was any maid around here. So Rich, now we have Rick and Janet. Uh, they're all like, they they're getting up change upstairs and they start kissing each other. Uh, so Spud's walking around. He goes to the, um, I guess, where they had the, the dance party in 1959. And this is when we see the band Cry No More. They're doing a little song. And they just disappear. Door closes. Because they're ghosts. Because they're ghosts. They're a ghostly new wave band yeah. from the 50s. There you go, brother. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Come on now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it a time war. See, it's, it's a time yeah. war, but we updated the music. Though. Right. <laughs> Of course. I didn't think about that when I was watching that, but that's totally correct. <laughs> we have a 1950s yeah, like a, classic new wave band. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so now we have Janet and Rick. They're all dressed in their 50s clothes. Uh, talking about Christmas. <clears throat> this is when Janet sees a ghost and they blow it off and they start kissing some more. And then the, this is when the ghost watches them and cries. 
And this was the ghost that was like, um, she looks like somebody from the 50s. Because, you know, we'll find about that later. Yeah, we will. So Leslie wonders what is, okay, this part was actually a good, uh, a good one right here. So we have Leslie and Tom, right? They're like the, the couples. And Leslie, she is just horny the whole movie. All right. So she goes to Tom. She's like, hey, you ever wonder what it's like to do it on a snicker table? <laughs> At first I was like, oh, a snicker table? Even the pool table? I guess it's called something uh, else in there. England, brother. And then, um, so yeah. I, I mean, come on. That's Allison. what they mean, yes. I mean, come on, Allison. You got this Leslie girl. You know what I mean? She didn't look too bad. We got a haunted hotel. We got a pool table. She wants some sex. And our boy Tom was like, nah, I'm not feeling it. What the fuck, brother? Just go out there and just make it happen. Come on, brother. Just just make it happen. Yeah. Just make it happen. And she's blaming make it Rick. on the snooker table. Yeah, on the snooker table. Come on, brother. This is your yeah. one shot. All right, she was ready to go. But our boy Tom was like, I don't want to do it. You know, I got to look out for Rick and stuff. And she's like, well, Rick just tells you all what to do. I was like, come on, brother. They leave, and then we have the uh, the pool table, all the pool things. They move on their own. All right. Yeah. So now we have Spud. He's talking to Carol. All right. And about the maid and everything. Did he see? Did she see the maid? And he says no. And then he's like, "Hey, man, it's the people. We gotta probably gotta go out of here. Some these people are crazy around here. There's like a band. This door closed on me. All right. And they're like, "Well, we can't really leave without a boat. There's no boat here, so we gotta go look around for this boat to get off this island." And then now, Leslie and Tom, they're in the basement because, you know, they're all looking for the power still. All right. So, Leslie, she still wants some sex. All right. The pool table gimmick didn't work. So, she's like, well, why about, what about some of these boxes down over here? <laughs> the basement. Let's or, just, yeah. Let's just, back. let's just fuck on the box in the <laughs> yeah. basement. Tom's like, nah, I'm not feeling it. He's like, come on, brother. That was twice. Don't you know yeah, how these 1980s twice, movies work? You're supposed to fuck at least once. All right? Come on, Yes. Brother. Our boy Rick and Jen, I they're did, going hard. All right? I was going to say, I, I did notice a uh, strange lack of nudity in this. I'm guessing it wasn't yeah. in the budget. Probably but wasn't I don't budget, really know. Yeah. I was like, they, it was it was presented, but it wasn't ex- a follow-through. Okay? Exactly. Uh, so then they light a candle, and then I don't know where this fire fireworks boxes blows art up. All right, then Rick and they'll hear it, so they start running down, and they all meet. Everybody all meets together in like the um, the chicken counter. And they say this place is weird. Yeah. Uh, the vacuum moves on its own, and Tom's like, "Well, you know, I did turn on electricity, so that's why all this stuff is, turns on." And I was like, "How is the Santa toy in the vacuum count for electricity? Because the vacuum is moving on its own. Like, well, I guess it kind of counts. I guess it could, maybe the vacuum could have moved on its own if it was still plugged up to the wall." I suppose so, yes. So they all go upstairs now. And then then the TV news. So this is when we get some plot here, brother. Plot. All right. So the TV news comes on. It's this old broadcast from the from a famous TV show called The Forum. The Forum TV show. Okay. All right. You got the you got the Blu-ray extra of the Forum TV show there, Allison? Uh, I no, okay. but I should get the entire, uh, yeah, entire all the seasons of the forum. Yeah, 
So basically, this is like very cut and I'm just going to go over the whole plot right right now because I might forget earlier. Because this is like, they kind of split this across the whole film. So basically what happened was there was a scientist guy and he created this device that he's going to put on this uh, airplane. And the airplane and the device was supposed to make this airplane invisible for a whole minute while like morphing time. Yeah, it's like a, it's a cloaking device yeah. to make it to where you can't see it. You know, so basically, this whoever wrote this was a fan of Star uh, Star Trek. Okay, obviously. So he has a cloaking device, and basically, what happened was the airplane crashed on this island, and the airplane blew up and the device blew up, so it made this island into a time warp where it's constantly that day, and that day just so happens to be on. New Year's Eve. Now, why is there airplane experimental tests happening on New Year's Eve? I don't know. Ask the 1960s. Not me, brother. All right. Because that's when you least expect it. Yeah, different time back then, brother. Okay. So that's the whole gist of the story of what's going on. So we hear that coming out of the room. And the kids, they kind of like play it off. They just kind of like walking around the place to see what there's around here. And they turn off the TV and everything. So and during this whole time, they find the, uh, the they found the theater room. They're like, "Oh, there's a theater playing with nobody here." <laughs> so I believe it's uh, Rick. He's the one that goes um, to the room and looks at it. And Spud, he's still trying to flirt. We got a we got this old movie playing. Um, yeah, the that movie is called Fiend Without a Face. Oh, okay. Looks like a pretty a great, good one. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. So, so Spud is like, so now, like, this movie stops and then it plays again. I'm not sure if it was the same movie or a different movie, but Spud starts to act to the movie. And then I don't know where whoever on this movie, a guy pops out and, like, attacks him, which I thought was a really cool effect. That was a really, yeah. That, yes. So I was going to say, some of the effects in this movie are really pretty cool and some of them are really bad. Yeah. Um, You could tell where they started to run out of money. But yeah. anyway, the um, um, yeah, it is a different movie because it's the guy with the like the turban or kind of kind of he looks like a sheik or something. Yeah, because the movie yeah, shot off and did something else. Played. Yeah. yeah, right. So, so then after that, he attacks Spud. Suppose it kills him, and he just like flies away. <laughs> and the uh, and then by all this too, the the tape, the uh, the movie tape was going to attack. Um, Rick, but it didn't. But it didn't end up doing that. So now Janet, she's all freaking out when they found out that Spud is dead. So she just runs right out of there, and Rick goes traces her. And then all the other kids are just shocked because they don't really know exactly what they saw. All right. So Tom wants to look for a phone to go call the mainland, and then mm-hmm. Carol, she's gonna wait by the by the swings. All right. So Tom and Leslie, they go see. They found an old building. And Les is like, I don't care is in there or not. If I need to use the phone, I'm gonna go use the phone. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, it. so she goes and knocks. She like knocks on it, and then she just falls right into fish, fish, fisherman's hook, <laughs> or what do you call that? Fisherman's rope. All right. Uh, um, no, it's like a like a net. Yeah, net. Yeah. She like falls a fish the, net. Yeah, yeah. Fish net. Yeah. <clears throat> so she flies up in there. Tom's like, he gets an axe out of nowhere. Because the, the net is also alive, so it's like... So I guess, Allison, so I guess when you're in a 1960s time warp, uh, 
objects come alive. Yeah. Well, it, they do when, it, when it's haunted. Yes. So remember, it's a haunted house in the 50s, 1959. But they're not in the so house like, right now. Uh, they're in the shack. No, but it's all haunted. The whole island's haunted, gotcha. as we find out in a little bit. Gotcha. So then Tom just finds his axe out of nowhere and just cuts the fucking net off. Leslie's like, she's all like, oh, I'm just going to look around here. And then she randomly gets attacked by a swamp thing. <laughs> I love this part. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this random like seaweed creature that yeah. comes out of nowhere and attacks her for I was like, no reason at all. I was like, how did all, this is what happens in a time warp? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, at this point, it's almost literally becoming Scooby-Doo. Oh, shit. With no dog. Thought. It's a lot like Scooby-Doo where they're no. just running around yeah. and then there's this weird like <laughs> swamp monster that attacks them for some reason. If they would have had a know, uh, if they would have had a reveal at the end, that would have been fucking awesome. That would have been hilarious. <clears throat> I mean, this is not even the weird part of the movie. We haven't got to the weird part yet. Oh, yeah. There's plenty more to go. So then Tom like stabs it with a little um, fisherman's hook. All right. And then the... Uh, then when then Tom looks around a little bit, gets Leslie out of there, and then he eventually gets stabbed in the back. All right. So Rick now finds Janet in the woods. Um. Then they so he calms her down a little bit, and they start hearing a bunch of people laugh. And this scene took forever, of them just walking around, hearing these people laugh, and there was no people there at all, and they get all freaked. All right, out. so. All right, so I was going to ask you about this, uh, see if you saw the same version that I did. So this is where they're walking around like in the tall grass, right? Yeah. And they'll see the grass move. Yeah, and people laughing. Right? Yeah, so, but, so, okay, so the way I took that was it's, to me, that sounded like a laugh track from a sitcom. Yeah. It probably was. But. <laughs> the same but sitcom. But it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be people laughing that they're hearing. Are they hearing the people laugh? Yeah, they're hearing the people laugh. And they're trying to find them because they thought they found a group of people. But it was just the haunted Time Warp Island playing tricks on them. So fucking weird. Because I'm listening to this laugh track and I'm like, what the fuck is going well, on? Well, that wasn't even like but, the right. weirdest part. Like After they found out they couldn't <laughs> find anybody, they run and we get this first person wind. And like, I don't know if they <laughs> fucked up on the editing, but it like repeated like three times. Yeah. I was like, why, what? <laughs> why the fuck did it repeat three times? Like, to, I don't know. To have it. To and have like, nothing happened happen. to him. It was just like, okay, no. well, that's where this is a part of the movie. And they they fall off the bank. Yeah. This yeah. could have not even been in the movie at all. And it wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah. Whatsoever. Nothing at all. So we're just, you know. We're showing that the island is weird. Weird, yeah. So then they they also hear an airplane crash. Like they hear an airplane crash. This is still uh, um, Rick and Janet. They go to this old building. It looks like an uh, airplane crashed in it. And then, of course, Rick looks at this mirror and he sees an old airplane pilot guy about to shoot him and he gets freaked out. So Carol, she's still waiting around. She sees somebody in the woods. It was the maid. She tries to follow the maid throughout the whole house. She goes in the whole. She goes into the uh, the housemaid's living area, and then when she's in there, her room starts to snow. 
inside the house. I thought this scene was actually pretty cool. And she's it's getting a t- go. What's wrong? It's. <laughs> I like this scene. I thought this scene was pretty yes, cool. Okay, this she's was like, not oh. bad. This was it, yeah. It was, it was snowing inside the house, but it's like the worst like fake snow I've ever seen. Well, yeah, I mean, like, come on, brother. Looked- <laughs> we gotta pay what we can, you know. What do you want to be so fucking? <laughs> It looked like um, that spray insulation that you just spray inside something, which it probably was. That's probably dangerous. <laughs> but too, I don't know. It's just it probably it probably have cancer from that. Um, but I don't know. So <laughs> she gets attacked by this fucking like they drown that shit on her. And I like yeah. the too because it was like snowing inside. It looked like she was in a snow globe, and then she just wakes yeah. out of it. All right, and then she tries to go to the door, looks inside. There's like a nice fire going on and everything. So I don't necessarily know the purpose of this but it's trying to show that they're in a haunted island you know i would have took haunted island more than like time warp island so So they're yeah so it's showing that they're in a haunted island yeah on new year's in july yeah exactly and it's snowing yeah i mean come on yeah yeah she also when she looked inside the house too she also saw a doll in a jar yeah. I guess it was supposed to be her or something. So then she leaves and then she runs into everybody and they're about to go back and, you know, she was telling them all what happened. They're about to go back to the hotel. But then Leslie, sh- uh, Leslie shows up and says, I can't find Tom anywhere. All right. Yep. So they go to where Tom is at. Um, they try to look around. Rick almost falls out of the door onto like a cliff. And they they are about to go run down to the cliff to see if maybe Tom fell out of the same door that Rick almost fell out of. But then I don't know where they get stopped by the dad from the carnival. He's here, brother. All right. And then Rick and him have a chain fight. Hey, right, by the way, they have yes. a a chain fight. This is great. First of all, so I couldn't really tell. Do they have brass knuckles or do they have chain knuckles? No, yeah, I don't. I think he has some kind of chain. I didn't notice the brass knuckles yeah. in my version that I saw on YouTube, but um, yeah, so I'm guessing this is supposed to be some kind of like uh, badass 1950s fight, is what yeah. this is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, so he knocks Rick down, and then Leslie goes to help, and then the dad punches Leslie to the stomach, but it was all a swerve, brother, because Leslie turns into a demon. Yeah, so in this time warp universe. If you die or get hurt, you turn into a demon. And I said that very loosely because basically your hair goes up and you get some white shit on your face. Yeah, you mm-hmm. basically look like, uh, what's that chick from AEW, Abaddon? Yeah. Ab- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of do, actually. Just like half of you the face. You become Abaddon you know? from yeah. AEW. That's basically what this is look like. Yeah. And then she, uh, then um, <laughs> Leslie Demon throws the dad through the wall. And then Rick, and then Rick like throws the net back on her. Uh, the, the other part was funny because like she's back in the net. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, they're all running. Of course, Jan she gets trapped. All right, and they had to pull her out of a fucking trap, the sinkhole. And they talk about yeah. how weird everything's going on over here. So now they have to go back to the hotel. They all decide to go back to the hotel. Uh, they get inside the back of the hotel. All right, and they hear the noise from the Santa toy. All right. Yeah. And now we have the door. 
now they all decided to go check the the windows of the whole place um you know just make sure all the windows are secure because they they hear a knock from uh from uh leslie to try to make you know she sounds normal now kind of like you know they did on evil dead where they had the demon but then they they sound normal so they did they did that on here so now they they know they know that she's out there now so now they want to barricade the whole doors in so now when they're locking some windows and stuff carol uh gets attacked by one of the uh the punker guys he's in there now he like breaks through the fucking window he does like a forward roll through the window. <laughs> yeah. And she's like knocking him off a little bit. And then uh, Janet freaks about. She goes upstairs. And this is when we have the demon Leslie. She's on the roof now. And she she breaks through the roof. And she goes right for the punker guy. And I guess kills him. Yeah. Right, Carol goes away. And he turns his head all the way around, like he did, like a three sixty with his head. Oh, this was so bad. This yeah. is so bad. So like, you like, it, I mean, it has like the worst cuts in it. Like it's it's the most amateur shit I've ever seen. Um. So like, he shows him turning his head as far as he could physically turn it as a human being, and then there's a blatant cut, and then it sh- the next scene is the same actor, but he's clearly wearing his clothes backwards. <laughs> <laughs> he's Come clearly on, wearing his clothes backwards so it looks like she's turned his head all the way to the other side and then it cuts again to him turning it back around it's like holy we shit only have a, like, we only have so much of a budget we only got so much budget what did you think about the snake stairs that was great love the snake stairs they, I swear to god they're made out of paper mache they could have been that should have been good <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that the snake stairs <laughs> Come on, brother. We're like a paper mache puppet. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, they, they did like a paper puppet, yeah. and glue and painted it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it was just like a paper mache puppet, the snake stairs. It was so good. Was yeah, because they had like, so like on these stairs are like these wooded snakes. And Janet goes yeah. down the snares while Leslie's uh, killing the, <laughs> the punker dude. And the snake scare just grabs her by the arm, so she's stuck. Yeah. All right. And then, like, it looks pretty cool because he's like grabbing her arm and everything. And then, um, I believe it's Rick or stuff. He comes down there and chops the the snake thing out, and like you could see it yeah. like laying there. But that was, that that part, the whole snake part and stuff, was pretty cool. And then you could see it later. But then they, they linger on it too long, and you could see like what looks like a hand moving the yeah the snake head around. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing beats the elevator yeah. scene, though. We're gonna get there. Yeah, we'll get there soon. So uh, they're all like, okay, we got to get out of here now. All right. And then right before they get out of there, they find Tom. Tom has showed up. And so they bring Tom into a room and they try to like, you know, relax him and stuff. And they figured out like, hey, you know, the, 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 the fair crew. I think that's what they actually call them, the fair crew or the fun house crew. Mm-hmm. They, they probably got here on boat. Okay. So let me go find we the boat. Get away on their boat. Yeah. So Carol and Rick go to find the boat, and then um, Janet, she's the one that's going to stay there with Tom. Okay, that's what they decided. <clears throat> and then, of course, while they're doing this, um, Rick is not, you know, he doesn't like leaving them alone, but that's what they got to do to 
find the boat. They they just their their plan is just to find the boat where it's at and then collect them and then they're gonna go to the boat. All right. So they're doing that. Um, Janet she like barricades the door. All right, but you can already tell what's gonna happen. All right, we all know that Tom's gonna turn into a fucking demon. All right, of course. So uh, Carol and Rick they look for the boat. Um, uh, Rick finds an airplane crash site that they and this is a different one than the other one, which is weird. I was about to say this is a different airplane, right? Yeah, so there's like, two airplanes. I guess there's two. Now. Yeah. Well, maybe it had like a buddy airplane it went with. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it did. So Carol sees the pilot guy, same as last time. He's about to shoot her, and then he just randomly blows up. Okay. Sure. Makes as much sense as anything else in this movie. Yes. So then they keep looking for the boat. They're like, oh, that was weird. Let's look for the boat. So they find the boat. All right. And now they're going to go all hey. the way back. All right. Tom and Janet. And then I don't know where Tom was like, you know, I always liked you, you know, but uh, you're a Rick's boy. All right. Rick, since he was rich, he always gets the best girls. And she's like, oh, no, not you, too. <laughs> All right. Okay. And she's like, it's like, it's like, then, then like, I guess her barricade wasn't that barricade enough because she just slips through it. No problem. <laughs> like she made a barricade to like, keep keep them both in. And then she just got out of there quickly. Yeah, but- but she just went straight through it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. So now Tom, he's now a demon die. And now he's, he says he wants to play some dirty games with our girl, Janet. And then when you know what Janet does to make, to make this a holiday movie, she throws a Christmas tree on his ass. Yeah. Attacked by Christmas tree, brother. I like it. And this is the part where she has to escape. So she goes into the elevator. Okay. And oh, she gets God, grabbed yeah. by Tom. But then she like, she, so gra- Tom grabbed her, right, with one arm. But then she goes up on the elevator, so his arm rips off. All right. And then we see the, we see the snake move on the stairs. So it's back to life. Yeah. All right. And then this is when we get the scene, which I thought the scene was okay. I don't know if you liked it or not, where she gets morphed into the elevator, like she's out of Star Wars and some shit. Okay, so here's my problem with this. Um, I, I, okay, they did the best that they could, and I'm fine with that. But the effect, so basically the the door, the, I mean the back wall of the, of the elevator basically like just sucks her in kind of, um, and she's like pushing through it. But like it's clearly just a piece of plastic that they've painted to look like the door of the elevator. Yeah, buddy. Like and when, and, and when she starts pushing against it, the paint comes off and you can see the clear plastic, like it crinkles up and, and pops off like this. Okay. So we saw an effect similar to this in video drone, which is also in the archives. You can listen to it if you want, where it had like a similar effect of someone pushing against the television screen. But that movie was made nearly 10 years before this one and looked a lot better. But like it just it it's just clearly a piece of plastic that she's pushing against that doesn't even have paint on it and they filmed it anyway. I just it's just it just looks so so cheap. Hey man. Which it was. I was all about it. You know what I mean? You got to do what you got to do. A haunted right? time warp elevator made. with hands. Let's go. I like it. Yeah. So she gets sucked into there. Uh Rick and Carol they're back. 
they see uh uh they well rick actually kind of sees janet moving the wall and then we have rick acting yeah. no no oh. janet ah. <laughs> and then uh then <laughs> so then carol she sees i like uh, i like my notes here so carol sees the funhouse demon zombie three number three ace come to get her because Ace, he is turned into a zombie now too, or a demon, yeah. a funhouse, whatever demon zombie number three. Ace? Yeah. Okay. So he's come to attack him, uh, and then uh, then she sees the weird maid, right? And then the maid disappears. I don't know where. Okay. And then they get to like the um, like the kitchen area, and then like all the kitchen stuff, like. Like so, we had like the uh, like a food tray stop demon ace in his tracks, and then Rick and Carol they go to the kitchen, and then all the kitchen stuff starts moving around. Yeah, and what's remind me of was um the 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 review we did earlier, the dorm that drip blood, where they had like all the kitchen shit move around. All right, but this one was like way okay. more over the top. All right. all right, this one was way more over the top because you had like. You know, plates and knives, everything all moving around. And eventually, just like in the dorm that drip blood, our boy Demon Time Warp Funhouse Zombie 3 Ace, he got knocked into the boiler pan and got boiled alive. Yeah, and you could just see his boots sticking up above the yes. uh, thing. Yeah. So, of course, we couldn't have a. Why was body he even here? here? I mean, he sucked. All right. <laughs> Why were, why were most <clears throat> people in this movie? For bodies, brother. That's why. For bodies. Exactly. So, when they saw this stuff, everything calmed down. Alright? The, everything was... All the madness kind of calmed down. And they end up just... Uh, the door opens. Carol's like, well, I don't think we should go through there. And he's like, fuck it. So, yeah, Rick goes through the door. So, during this stuff, too, um, um, Leslie's demon regenerates herself all right yeah. so she's coming back together brother <clears throat> and then uh carol carol keeps saying it's a trap it's gonna happen they hear some music playing all right and they have a they see this the some stage host announced that uh rick and jane are gonna be the class people for the 1959 and 1960s uh new year's party all right yeah and they're all talking about like no we're gonna get out of here it's like no you're gonna stay here forever you're been, gonna be here forever alright and then they then she goes over the plot this plane had a device that can change time that crashed it on this grand island and changed this island times forever now it's always New Year's Eve over here and everybody's a demon somehow in 1959 yes yes <clears throat> so they say, she says that they're half dead and then half alive Whatever the fuck that means. Whatever that means. <laughs> Does that just mean you're a zombie? I have no idea. And nobody can escape. So they try to get out of there and escape. All right. <laughs> they they run. They run out of there. So they, they get into like this, uh, the area, like this is um, Rick and, and uh, uh, Carol. They're in the area where the pool table was at, you know, that Leslie wanted to fuck yeah. on. Yes. And they're having like the the all the demons show up there, you know, like the dad demon, the Tom demon. They're all there. They try to attack them, but they try to like move out of the way, and they get on the pool table, 
And apparently this tool table can grow itself now. All right. And then Ace shows up again from getting boiled. And he just dies from the pool table. All right. <laughs> you know, he just died. Yeah, and then just he shows died. back up again and then a pool table yeah. kills him. Yeah. yeah, get him twice, man. Okay. Is this, this is the part where the pool balls are moving around on the table, right? Well, that was that happened earlier, but they, they're moving around this table again, too. But this is when the table was growing. Right. Yeah. Right? And then Spud comes around there saying, hey, Carol, did you miss me? And then she and then and then fucking Rick just hit Spud over the head. Easy. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, the fucking It was a terrible fight. Yes. It was like two seconds. All of the fights were. Yeah. All right. There's pinballs everywhere. Uh the machines attacking everybody stands. Uh, all the demons come in. Like when when the kids are on the table and stuff, the uh uh Janet and Rick, all the demons coming in single file. Like this is like military camp. Okay. Yep. They come in there and they kept saying, join us, join us. And then they take a ride on the pool table to yep. knock outside. And it just like time warps them outside. And then everything is fine. Now, was that confusing to everybody? Yeah. Cause it was confusing to me. It was confusing to me. I have no idea what was going on in this damn movie. Like none of the, like by the time I got to this point, I'm like, okay, sure. I'll accept this because it makes as much sense as anything else in this movie. My, my guess was, like the only thing is like what that lady from the stage was saying, like you're pretty much stuck here. So they maybe they already knew in the back of their head like these fuckers ain't leaving, so we're just gonna fuck with them. All right, right, sure. So they run all the way to the boat. Okay, they actually get inside the boat and let the boat go a little bit, and then Rick just sees Jan, which is obviously has already been turned into a demon. Okay, yeah, he goes he- towards her. Doesn't listen, runs tries to go to, to her. Yeah, goes back to the island, runs into her, runs into her. She's like, don't leave me, Rick. Then Rick gets caught in random quicksand. There's a lot of quicksand mm-hmm. on this island. Yeah, man. It's haunted. Time warp. And then we see the fun fair demon dad. And he uses a motor propeller to chop Rick's head off. So he can turn it to a demon. Yes. And then Carol thinks like, oh, well... Fuck. I'm by myself, but that's okay. Nope, she falls through the boat. <laughs> then we cut to a holiday party, and Carol's in the window saying, help me. So I guess she got stuck into the window of the party. Uh, where did everybody yeah, else like, go? Well, aren't they all in the party? Aren't they in the party together now? Like, they're all there, stuck there forever? Yeah, in the window, I guess? I don't know. So, yeah. Bloody New Year, everybody. That was it. That was it. What Happy a, New Year. masterpiece. So, I like this movie better than I probably should have. Um, I don't know. For some time. reason, I just couldn't I just couldn't look away from it. Kind of like watching a car wreck. Like, I just couldn't look away. Like, there's nothing good about it, um, but I just couldn't stop watching it. Um. It reminded me of like a typical British TV show with the synth from the 80s, like a synth pop with this, I mean, a synthesizer soundtrack and just like really cheap production values. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I didn't hate it. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, it's something I would show to somebody who didn't actually believe this movie exists. Yeah, I know. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a lot of people are just not going to believe that this movie is actually what we say it is, but it, we described it exactly as it happened. And well, it's maybe there's a, some um, fanatic out there that loves this movie that explained it to us a little better than we than we got out of it. But yeah. like, it's just all random shit. Pretty much, um, yeah. I mean, no I think the uh, the concept was uh, was okay. Yeah, with concept the was good. with you know this kid getting stuck on this island that's supposedly haunted. Yeah, well, I I would have gone with the haunted island more than like time warped island. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't understand why there has to be a time warp. Because it has we, nothing to do with like this. It doesn't add anything to the story. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, you probably could have done it. Well, we we had to have Bloody New Year in there somehow. Okay. Oh, that's a good point. And I think I think the original concept where like if it all took place in the 1950s and they're just going through a time warp each day, I think that would have been a lot better. Then the kids just happening to be on this island that was stuck in the 1950s. What I, think, what I can't figure out is why did it cost? Why would it cost them more to make it set in the 1950s? I don't know. I'm not really sure about that. Maybe maybe it's because of all the outfits and the costumes. That's something I could think. But of. they used those anyway. Well, kind of. Remember the, that scene was mostly filmed by the uh, by the people they did for free. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because they had that rock and roll. I guess the 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 rock and roll crew or whatever was like an old yeah. school rock and roll, you know, like crew. They 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 had that. They pretty much brought their own props and shit. Right, that's true. And they that's probably true. played. They probably like just dressed up the one hotel for like Christmas and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's okay. Like this ain't gonna be in my rotation. Like when I think no. of like, you know, New Year's ones that we've done in the past like terror train was way better than this shit and of course new year's oh, eve was yeah, way better course. than this shit so yeah of course but I mean, you know terror train and new year's eve were both way better. yeah but i'm pretty sure we could find a little bit more new year's crazy movies if not we'll just do something fun yeah but you know it was okay it was all right you know i thought the main girl who played carol she looked pretty hot so can't beat that she was but everybody that has been our New Year's Eve episode. Hope you all have a wonderful and safe New Year's. Hope you all yeah. got to listen to us on your journey to the uh, to the fridge of getting some champagne or out to the bar, making some black eyed yeah. peas or whatever you guys make for New Year's or whatever. Uh, yeah, don't but, drink too much and drive. Yeah, don't do that, brother. Be safe. All right. Be like our boy. Um, be like our boy Tom. You know, if somebody pressures you to have sex on a snickerdoodle or whatever the fuck that thing was called, <laughs> just fucking just just think think twice about it. Just just think twice. I'd right, be like our boy Tom. He could have had yeah, uh, twice he could have had some sex before he died, but he didn't. But he decided not to. So be like be like our yeah, boy exactly. Tom. But everybody, join us here for the New Year's. How the Retro Blood is coming back with a whole new theme. So. For the retro blood, we are starting off goofy, brother, because we'll be back here talking all about Monster Comedy Month. That's right. The big old fab of having horror comedy with monsters, monsters. in it. <laughs> all right. Now we, now, we do got one gem in here, which I'll be pretty excited about talking about. Yeah. Um, but probably the first one we're going to be doing is a spoof off of Friday the 13th because we're going to come back here in the new year and we're all going to be talking about Saturday the 14th. Yes. 
it's like Friday the Thirteenth, but worse. Yes, more ways than you could possibly imagine. Well, actually, you know what? We might say that for the next one because, well, no, that's a Sunday the Fourteenth. I guess it doesn't really matter because the January seventh—that's the first uh, week in um, in January. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll do. Maybe yeah, we'll keep that one for the fourteenth. Saturday the fourteenth. We'll keep that one for the Sunday the fourteenth. How about okay. we do uh, um, spookies? Spookies. Let's do it. Yeah, spookies, brother. Spookies. Hope I'm saying that right. Spookies. Yeah. All right. We'll do spookies. that one first. Then we'll do the Saturday the fourteenth. Then we're gonna do one called Munchkins. Then we'll save the best for last on January, brother. So horror comedy, man, should be uh, should be new for us because this this is the, I don't think this is like our like you know wheelhouse, but you know sometimes we gotta challenge ourselves on the retro blood. You know what I mean? We gotta we gotta see if these comedies are really comedies or not. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, we gotta see if we actually laugh. So, but yeah, we got some big plans for the retro blood. Everybody, check us out: Facebook, Instagram, X, Threads. We're on all that shit. YouTube, check it all over there. Uh, like I said, pretty sure we're probably going to do some of these live on the uh, on, on the video. Um, you know, we'll still have the old podcast platform, but we're, we're, we're going to start doing some more videos and stuff for you guys on there, too. But follow us. Give us a like. Give us a review. If you all have, you know, questions you want to send to us, RetroBlood69 at Gmail. Send all your questions. Send all your hate mail. Tell us if you... you want to tell uh, us why we didn't understand uh, yes. uh, <laughs> Blood yes. Island... Yes. Bloody New Year. Bloody New Year. Yes. Yeah. Tell us why we suck at it. Yes. We got you. (laughs) But Allison, what Sepultura song do you want to end the show with? And and oh man, in 2023 with brother, what's the last song people are going to be hearing? Wow, that's that's putting a lot of uh, a lot of uh, pressure on me to pick the last song of the year. All right, Uh, but from Schizophrenia, every song in this album is fantastic. Um, let's end with Troops of Doom. Oh, Troops of Doom, brother. Let's get it going because, you know, there was a lot of Troops of Doom in Bloody New Year. All right. We just didn't see them because they were time warping and turning into swamp creatures and ropes. All right. But they were there. Ropes. All right. And then, you know, we had the dad and his whole punk crew who turned into demons as well. So they're troopers yeah. of the dead. <laughs> Time warp. Dead. Exactly. So. We are troopers of the horror movies and the uh, heavy metal. Yes. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year, and we will see you here next week on the Retro Blood, starting 2024 off hot. Jay Austin, James Klein. See y'all later. Cheers. See ya. Oh.